Well, it's certainly the uh, most famous birthday of all time. If you think about all the different famous people that get their own special holiday, sometimes they'll stretch it into a three-day weekend. But only Jesus gets an entire season. We call that Christmas. Jesus was his name. Christ was his title. So it's Christ Mass, Christmas, celebrated all over the year. Uh, this weekend and next week are our Christmas services. And so uh, next weekend's sort of cool. We sing the Christmas carols and have some special music. And then we kick off this weekend always with the Christmas story. So if you grab your note sheet in there, I want to read you the very first part of it. This is how Christmas all began. In your note sheet, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin girl who lived in Nazareth, a town in Galilee. This all happened way back in the day in the nation of Israel. These are all Jewish people. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But Mary was very confused about what the angel said. She wondered, what does this mean? So it's this phrase, this idea, grace, that's got her confused, and she's not the only one. I want you to check this out, so check this video out right here. It's the way of life. You can't live without grace. Grace is a state of well-being and ease. That's easy. God's riches at Christ's expense. Like grace, like saying, like Thanksgiving grace? Yeah, I, I know that. It's like when you give something, you appreciate something. Um, I really don't know what grace means. I've heard it around before, but I don't know. Could you tell me, please? Undeserved forgiveness. Define grace. Kind of a hard word to put into words. Humble yourself and be grateful for everything that's given to you in this life. Our Grace is a girl's name. I, I need a couple girl named Grace. They're pretty cute. Grace is God's compassion. If you're talking religion, you know, I mean, religion is grace grace is benevolence that's that's not particularly deserved or asked for maybe mercy mercy somebody who's graceful is somebody that's kind of poised yeah confident like a certain you know, to be honest, uh, Grace never thought about it. Uh, God gives grace. Um, you know, it's His grace that I have salvation. Um, grace? I don't really know. <laughs> Do you know? Mm -mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's the concept that has Mary confused. It, it seems like in life there's three ways we get things. E either I'm the reason, or the universe is the reason, or someone else is the reason. 
So either I earn it or, or somehow the laws of the universe all sort of get in alignment and I get something, or someone gives me a gift. And when God gives me a gift, when he decides to overrule everything, that, that's what we call grace. Grace means God decided to do it. He's the reason. Now, the angel comes and uses this phrase, says you're going to be full of grace. And we all know people who uh, can be full of something. Uh, you can be full of anger. You can be full of greed. You can be full of joy. You can be full of superstition. Lots of different things people can be full of. But the angel comes and says that Mary is full of grace. And that's the theme of the whole Christmas here at Eastlake. Uh, in your note sheet, write the big idea. When I'm full of grace, I can spread grace to others. And that's why it matters on a snowy day in Utah for us. Why does it even matter to figure out what grace is? Because when I have grace, I can spread it to other people. And as we look through this story, you'll see how it happens. Uh, I'm going to read the rest of the story to you. Uh, the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, because God is very pleased with you. Listen. You become pregnant and have a baby boy. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. People will call him the Son of the Most High God, and the Lord God will make him king like his ancestor David. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, uh, this uh, angel, Gabriel, has a history with the people of Israel. He's been there before. And normally when he shows up, he gives a warning to everyone. He, he, down through history, an angel would show up. He's sort of the get-your-act-together angel. And, and this time, though, when he shows up, it's entirely different. He says he's pleased with Mary. And I hope you have a place in your heart for God to be pleased with you. Because walking with Jesus is not this religious treadmill where you just try harder and harder and harder and harder to stay on it, to stay on it, to just keep going, if I can just keep up. That's not what it is to have a relationship with anyone, and especially God. Sometimes, and it's not, I mean, like, you know, for just to open your heart, could you hear God say to you, I'm pleased with you. That's how the story starts out. And then he starts to give Mary all the details of what's going to happen, even the baby's name. Uh, in the Hawaiian tradition, at least my wife's family tradition, the parents name your children. So when I first found that out, when my first son was going to be born, my wife sort of broke the news to me. She's like, hey, guess what? My parents are going to name our baby. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know about that. You know? so, but everybody has their different traditions. This, this particular tra tradition, God even gives the name of the baby. says the baby's name will be Jesus and gives her all the different details of the plan. As the grace begins, let's keep reading. Mary said to the angel, how will this happen? I'm still a virgin. The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High God will cover you. The baby will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Right off the bat, Mary sees a problem in the plan. Like right off the bat, she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How is this even going to happen for me? I'm not married yet. I haven't been with a man yet. And I'm still a virgin. How am I going to have a baby? Which makes me sort of think about this question. Why would Mary assume that this whole story isn't just going to happen in the natural way? I mean, she's about to be married before long. Why doesn't Mary just, when the angel comes and says this is going to happen, why wouldn't Mary just say, well, I'm going to get married to Joseph and we're going to have a baby and it's going to happen in the natural way and we'll give the baby the name Jesus and all. But somehow she sees something different. And if you're jotting notes, when you're filled with grace, sometimes you can see what God is doing 
in ways that you can't see what God's doing if you're not filled with grace. When I'm filled with grace, I can see clearly what God is doing, and other times I can't. And even in other relationships, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life when uh, I saw things a certain way, and based on my background or my experience or, or history or how I thought things should be done, they didn't look right to me. And so I had judgments, and I didn't think they were okay, and I kept waiting for a problem to happen. And really, I wasn't looking at it through grace. Because remember, when God decides to overrule something, anything, if you've ever wondered why the virgin birth is built into the story, and this has caused a lot of problems for people down through history and still does, the whole reason it's built into the story is to remind us if God wants to override something with a gift, it's called grace. And when he does, it doesn't always look natural. But when I'm filled with grace, I can see it. Let's keep reading. Here's something else the angel says. Your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. She's very old, but she's going to have a son. Everyone thought she could not have a baby, but she's been pregnant now for six months. God can do anything. So the angel sort of slips this story. And remember, this is how Christmas begins. He slips in this story to Mary. says, remember your relative that always wanted to have a family and never thought they could get pregnant because now they're so old. They hoped and hoped and hoped and hoped. And now they're so old. I mean, the hair is gray and white, and they're probably well into their 60s and 70s. And there's no way that they could have a baby now. That's not going to happen. Remember what grace is? Grace is a gift that overrides everything. And the angel tells her, God can do anything. This is a special baby that gets born. Her uh, aunt's name is Elizabeth, and she has a baby. The baby's name is John the Baptist. Becomes quite famous, and he's cousins with Jesus. And the whole story starts to take form, but it happens because God says so. Write this in your notes somewhere. This is the definition of grace. God says so. Anytime God initiates, there's no religion, there's no philosophy like Christ following, where the center of the story is God initiates towards us to save us and help us and be with us. The whole story starts because God says so. And the angel sort of slips it in just to reassure Mary, you know that family you've been watching, everybody's been praying for, they've been hoping for, now it's way past time, she's actually going to have a baby. Now here's the last bit of it. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let things you have said happen to me. Then the angel went away. So why does this all matter? How does this all look in our lives? I can think of three reasons. First in your notes, it's okay to start afraid. To be filled with grace, to understand that God initiates, that when he gives a gift, it overrides everything. It's okay to start out afraid. Uh, maybe you're facing something at work or something in your family. This time of year, you're moving into family events and seeing family members, and maybe something's on the horizon, and you're not really uh, excited to do it. You're a little bit anxious. It's okay. In our culture, you're almost looked down upon if you're afraid. Like, no, like the maturity uh, and the definition of maturity is to never be afraid, but that's not the definition of maturity. The definition of maturity is you start off afraid, but it, you don't end up afraid. You move through your fears so you don't make decisions out of fear. But it's okay to start off afraid. When you have a financial problem, 
It's okay to start off afraid. You have a parenting issue? It's okay to start afraid. Mary's afraid. She starts off scared. I don't know how you'd be if you were in her situation, but think about it. How would you react? You've sort of got your life all planned out. A lot of women, they go in, men too, they go into their marriage. They sort of have it planned out. This is what it's going to look like. Mary's the same way. She, she's like found the guy that loves her, and um, it's going to be this great thing because she's a virgin, and you know, her parents like his parents, and everything's going to be great, and we're going to get married, and I've sort of got it all planned out. And then the angel shows up, and she's like, God, like, I trust you and everything, but like, I've got this. I have a plan already and a workable plan that I can see pulling off. And then God gives her a gift. And she's scared. The opposite of grace is control. Think about it. Three ways things happen. I earn it myself. A lot of control there. The universe sort of lines up all the laws that God made. Line up. I can try to manipulate those. But a gift, no control. It's only grace if I have no control. So she's scared. I'll put myself out there a little bit. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to raise the bar in my life in just letting people know I'm a Christ follower. I just sort of noticed, like, I put that way on the back burner. And so this year, the rest of December, uh, next week, the service, I just want to, I'm just decided that it's like I'm not really being authentic with the people that I live with every day because I'm afraid. I don't want them to think I'm a religious fanatic, or I don't want to think I'm going to come and pound on their door, or try to give them a book, or, you know, there's just this, um, and I understand in our culture here, there's this kind of pushback to, you know, don't talk about religion, but that's everywhere, and so I've, like, I've let that shape me, and I haven't really just been authentic with people, not, I'm not talking about, like, you know, putting them in a corner and trying to convince them, I'm just saying be an authentic Christ follower. People in my life know I follow Jesus. It's a normal part of my life, and I want that to get out, and it's not happening now. So I've decided, you know, this year, like, that's going to be something I'm going to do. People are going to know I follow Jesus, and I was instantly afraid. Because I don't want people to reject me. I don't want people to think I'm a wacko. I, always, I don't want people to like me for a long time, and I don't want them to find something out about me and then leave me out of their discussions or make fun of me or talk behind my back. I don't want that. So I'm starting off afraid, and it's okay. Mary started off afraid. Grace means, to be filled with grace means, it's okay to start off afraid. If you're facing something now in your life right now and you're afraid, that's not a bad place to be. It's actually a pretty good position to be to receive grace. Number two, write in your notes, it's okay to need a miracle. So in our culture, you're sort of looked down upon if you got yourself into a situation where you need a miracle. You must have done something really wrong. You caused a huge mess. If the only thing that's going to get you out of it is a miracle. You even have the term for it in football. It's the Hail Mary pass. You didn't win the game. You haven't played good. You're way behind. And at the end of the game, all you have left... In fact, that came from this part of the Bible. The Hail Mary pass. You have one last prayer. Only if a miracle could happen, you bunch of losers... And that is culturally where we stand. But not from God's perspective. For him, he doesn't look at miracles that way at all. We see the things that happen in our lives that we can't do, that we're not able to pull off as miracles. But from God's perspective, those are just normal parts of how he acts. Those are, those are normal and doable for God. He doesn't see miracles 
is causing us to be less than. Uh, we have a uh, person that served at Eastlake here for a while and then moved over to Indonesia. I'm going to show you a picture of him. His name's Caleb. And uh, Caleb went over there. Uh, he's the one in the middle, the tall, white Utah boy. And uh, he's in Indonesia now. He went over there and got married. He served here for quite a while. And he went over there. Uh, Eastlake is one of the churches that support him. And he's like in the gap. The, the work that Caleb does over there. and the, This is a country that there's almost no presence for people that follow Christ at all, where he lives in Indonesia. And Caleb's there with his wife, and, and um, he's a minister there. We support him there. Uh, he sends out this little email uh, every month. And last month, he sends the email out, and he kind of tells you everything he's doing. And in the email, he says, you know, my real struggle is it's hard for me to learn the language. I'm lagging. It's difficult for me. There's a school coming up I could go to. It's one month. They go every single day. You get private instruction. It's like this intensive that would really help me, you know, but it's $400. Now, $400 to Caleb might as well be like, you know, I mean, I'm going to go to the moon. I mean, there's no way in that culture he could get his hands on $400 at all. And when I read through the email at first, I just kind of read through it. I said, like, oh, that's what Caleb's doing. You know, sometimes I do that. And I didn't really think much about it. And just a few days later, I was praying. And I heard God clearly say, I want Eastlake to pay for Caleb's schooling. And I was like, Okay. Now understand, Eastlake Church, uh, like we're not connected to the churches in California. They don't all support Eastlake Church in Utah. What happens in Utah happens because the people in Utah. There's no money coming from any other churches. This is us right here. So it's not like we have tons of money and we have to be frugal. But on the other hand, $400 is not a huge thing for Eastlake to give Caleb. So I sent him off an email to, hey, man, we're going to cover your schooling. And, you know, here the $400 is coming to you. And for Caleb, it was a miracle in his life. But for us, it was doable. And I wonder if God sees it that way. It's doable for him. It's a miracle to us. If you need a miracle, regardless of why, God doesn't look down on you. He doesn't judge you as some incompetent person because you have to have a miracle he does miracles. They're normal to him. They're doable for him. In fact, let me ask you a question. Who do you have in your life right now that there's something you could do for them that's doable for you, but that would hit them like a miracle? That's called grace and spreading grace. Very doable for me, miracle for them. Now, the last thing, write in your notes, it's okay to be a servant. I am the Lord's servant, Mary says. And she sort of seems to have this calmness in it. And I understand in our culture, the goal is to be the boss, not the servant. I mean, we're supposed to, you know, get, you know, you want to get to the level where you're the boss. So other people serve you and other people do the work and other people report to you. And I understand that's like how we're oriented, right? But this is something different here. She's talking about having a servant's heart. And in one sentence, she clears it up. She says, I have bosses too. And my family, there's people bossy. I have people that are over me. And that doesn't matter because I'm not ultimately their servant. I'm God's servant. Do you have a boss that's difficult to serve? So one of the ways you justify not being a servant is they're an idiot or a jerk or mean. Hey, let's face it. 
corporations, companies, bosses, they don't always have our best interest in mind. And so if our heart is going to be a servant's heart or not based on them, Mary sums it all up very, very easily and quickly. She says, I don't actually serve, I serve the Lord. There was an ancient king uh, in Israel, super, super famous, and um, everybody jumped when he said jump. It was like, how high? And he had a saying that he used to say all the time, and it got so famous, he wrote it down and put it in the Bible. He said, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it like a river. He'd been king long enough to know that he actually wasn't the king, that he served a king. And if you're struggling this Christmas season, like, man, I hate my job, or I hate my boss, or my parents, or whatever it is, there's somebody that's over you, and they're an authority, and guess what? It's accurate what you think. You know all the crazy, like, like all the people that thought her relative couldn't have the baby, like, you know, this is crazy, she can never have a child. They were right. <laughs> actually. You know, when Mary went home, can you imagine her trying to explain to everybody when she started to show? Well, actually, Joseph and I never really have had sex. Well, who's the father of the baby? Uh, I mean, it would be normal to think the whole thing's crazy. But when God chooses to override, it's called grace. Now, we have a great season ahead of us here. Like you're going to have an opportunity during the Christmas season is to understand that there's tons and tons of things that are going on in our lives that we'll need grace for. We won't be able to earn it. The universe isn't going to completely line up for us. We'll need grace. Look at your bottom line and write this in. Grace is a lifetime supply of closeness and care. All of us need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. The very center of the Christmas story. 